Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the back row from what I watch tonight. My name is Matt Hudson and this is my show Retrospectives, where I discuss a film which I think is bloody good with somebody else who thankfully also thinks that film is bloody good. And tonight I'm, uh, I'm very happy to say a man I've been chasing for a long time and more than just professionally, the King of Scotland, a horror hound, horror haggis himself. Ian Forrest from Behind the Screams podcast. How you doing, mate? I'm doing good, thank you. And I must say, you're you're the only person that's chasing me, so <laughs> I, I, I'm all yours, baby. <laughs> mate, it, lockdown has been tough and hard on me, man. I, you know, I, I, I'm attracted to things I never thought I would be. So, uh, who just who, thought we'd still be here a year later? Do, well, I mentioned Ian does Behind the Screams podcast, and that's I'll ask Ian to uh succinctly tell us all about that wonderfully in a second but when did because uh, i came on your show with bloggy uh, uh for death by pod was mm-hmm. was that in lockdown still uh oh you know what that's a really good question that's probably something i should have i don't up. remember because it um, feels it w- so long ago it was a while ago now you were one of one of the very first guests that we actually had on the show and you know what it was i'm just having a look at the date we, we released that episode on the 1st of may 2020 it feels and no i get we had such a good time we'll mention that in a minute but that doesn't feel like it was what 10 months ago it feels like it about two years ago i know i know it's oh, crazy man. it's crazy how much has happened since then I've hated every second of it almost. Now, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. But um, enough of that. Ian, I've mentioned, is the host and cr- and curator, creator of Behind the Screams podcast. But I won't describe it. I will let Ian describe the work he does over there. So tell it, tell it, tell listeners about yourself and BTS. Yes. So uh, as most of you probably know, I am from Bonnie, Scotland, um, <laughs> where you know it rains. 360 odd days out of the year i forgot how many days were in a year there um almost almost that's cool um, i run the behind the screens podcast we uh, much like this one talk about movies but we specifically uh, almost exclusively talk about horror movies but we also do tv shows we do video games we do novels i think we do everything now because we are we're, we are kind of everywhere i really took the opportunity of lockdown mm-hmm. and and you know everything that was happening to really sort of ramp up what we were doing and uh yeah i don't i never thought we would quite get as 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 far as we have but we we're we're doing all right <laughs> yeah not so i remember um when uh we started death by pod a couple of years ago me and bloggy just have a bit of a laugh uh, we're on we're on a hiatus in a minute we haven't we haven't we haven't, we haven't split up we're still going but we're just taking the covid time and I remember um, I remember Ian's podcast in its kind of infancy, shall we say, similar time as we started. And to see the uh, the amount the strides that you guys have taken, because it was just Ian, if I believe, to start with, and then it, yeah, now yeah. it's it's expanded, not just in terms of the uh, topic, a uh, content, sorry, but the amount of people that are on board as well. And it's uh, if you haven't listened to Behind the Screens, we will give those links at the end. But I, I absolutely recommend it. But um yeah we went on there to sp- speak about halloween three season of the oh, witch yes. and that was a doozy <laughs> that was an that was an episode and that was a movie and uh oh yeah people need to go check that out yeah, the, uh, the, the, the overriding image from that is just um the spotty back comment i can't get that out of my head <laughs> <laughs> long live blocky balboa um, <laughs> absolutely God, the spec that her ghost hangs over all of this bless her she's still alive um <laughs> I, well, I hope she has. I spoke to her earlier on. So check out Behind the Screens. We'll give those links later on. Even if you don't like horror, do go check it out. The King of Scotland uh, will have you rolling around. So uh, tonight, though, it's retrospectives. For those who don't know, as I've just mentioned, 
uh, I want to talk about the films that I love. They may not, some may not be the best films of all time, but I think they are. And that's what matters. And I get somebody on who has a similar opinion. And basically we just talk about how great it is for an hour, hour and a half or so. We will try, if there's anything we dislike at the end, we will chuck that in as well. But uh, for tonight though, tonight we're heading back to the eighties and we're talking about aliens, aliens. So yes. here's the admin before we hear more from uh, Ian, who you've all come to hear from. Uh, Aliens, distributed by 20th Century Fox and was released on July the 18th, 1986. Of course, it was directed by James Cameron and stars Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Paul Reiser, Lance Henriksen, Carrie Henn, Bill Paxton, Jeanette Goldstein and a host of other Marines. It was made for $18.5 million and it made a cool $183 million back, which I'm told in today's money is $440 million, give or take. So that's not a bad return. And in terms of uh, awards... Well, this is a uh, sci-fi horror film, but it got some love at the Oscars. It won for Best Visual Effects and Sound Effects Editing, and it was nominated for Best Sound, Best Original Score, Best Film Editing, Best Art Direction, and you got it, Best Actress for Sigourney Weaver. Almost unheard of for a genre film to get that much love and attention at the Oscars, but Aliens got it. Now, if you haven't seen Aliens, this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Aliens, the sequel to the critically lauded Alien, Go watch the film. It's about two and a half hours long, depending on which version you watch. Then come back and listen to me and Ian shoot the shit about it. But if you haven't seen it, one last time. Spoilers. There, we're done with now. Um, Ian, so you're on this podcast to talk about aliens because obviously you enjoy it. But what is it about the film, you know, which ranks so highly for you in your list of film? Well, first of all, if you haven't seen Aliens, what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> yes, you know, perfect. Like it's it's thirty five years old. People go and go and watch it. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, Alien, as in the the original, is one of the finest horror movies of all time. You know, um, and we've 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 covered that previously on our show, and we talked about you know all the different things, the set design, the acting, how the the atmosphere, and this movie for me just takes that and builds on it so well and it adds in you know those sort of slightly more action elements to it because i think there's a there's a lot of people out there that will, will say you know this is slightly more sort of action sci-fi than horror side you know then there's that debate to be had but for me it still is just as tense as that first one at times it's got i mean bill paxton I mean, oh. do I need to say much Come more on. than Bill What a great Paxton. name as well, Hudson. What a man. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the creature design, is, again, has been taken and built upon from the first one. Uh, you know, you, you said we're going to throw in some negatives at the end. I'm going to give a spoiler for that. There's not going to be any. <laughs> Mate, that's it. We, on, on these shows, there are very rarely negatives on here. Some people do, and, and but for the most part, it is usually kind of, well, I don't know, that scene went on for... I don't know, 30 seconds too long, or um, the patch on their arm was a bit dark, I couldn't read it. It's that kind of <laughs> level of like, nitpick, which is, which is great, but I'm not sure I have any either as a spoiler, but sometimes when we get talking, I think, you know what, that did irk me a bit, but I can't think anything off the top of my head. But um, Well, the film's 35 years old, so when did you first see this, mate? Uh, you know what, I was, I, was tr- I was trying to think about when I first saw the other day. I can't pinpoint exactly when it was. You don't remember I the think- date and time? Uh, I think it was a Wednesday. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I was young. I was too young. I saw this before I saw Alien. Oh, interesting. Um, I think I was. I think I was in the region of sort of ten or eleven when I first saw this, um, and I remember just loving it like straight away. 
Um, I was really into sort of my sci-fi and things at the time anyway. And I was at this point already, you know, a horror movie connoisseur because I've been yep. watching them for four years by this <laughs> point. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I remember just loving it straight off the bat. And, you know, Sigourney Weaver, I mean, she's, she's on, the man. best. She's just the best. She's <laughs> so bad. Honestly, she's the most badass in this film. I, there's moments in this film when I'm si- I re- obviously rewatched this for this episode and I'm thinking... Yes, you know, and he's just like, yes, you go, yeah. you get him, you take them all down. Absolutely. Uh, even though I've seen this film so many times, mate. Uh, when did I first see it? Um, uh, about uh, I'm trying to think, about twenty years ago, maybe. It's a while ago now. Um, and I saw Alien first, so I remember seeing that first. So, like you said, the kind of like, claustrophobic horror of Alien, one of the best of, them, of all time. And then you get a sequel seven years later. And you think, well, that's, firstly, that's quite a long time for a sequel, especially since the first one did melt moderately well in terms of box office. But looking back now, it's, it's a classic. But then this one, like you say, it shakes things up. We've still got horror, but they throw a lot more uh, action in. And Jimmy Cameron said that was a lot to do with him coming off of Terminator uh, 2, basically. So he, he wanted to meld that in to the horror of Alien because he didn't want to have the same make the same film twice, which I, I quite like the idea of that. If you're going to do a sequel... Don't just retread the first film. And that brings me to a point about Alien, which I'll mention later on. But I like, So I like the fact that James Cameron uh, and his partner slash wife at the time, Gail Ann Hurd, who produced this film, uh, they were insistent of what they wanted this film to be like. I think they left they left the production I read twice because the studio was interfering too much. And then they finally got their way. And goddamn, am I glad. And I'm not always the biggest fan of James Cameron. I think always, sometimes I think he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm glad in this instance he got his way. But um, well, let's let's do it, man. Let's get into aliens. And again, for those new to the show, this is where we just go wild. Is there is there is no structure for those who are used to the show. You get me. So, um, Ian, let's just go, any moment. What's the kind of one moment that comes to mind when you think of aliens? Is kind of just one of those great positive things about the film, right? There, there, there's 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 many moments in this. Movie. There's many, but there's there's only one moment that you have to speak about first, isn't there? And it's it's come on, it's right at the end. So you says we're going to bounce about. I'm literally <laughs> starting with almost the final scene. It's got to be "Get away from her, you bitch." Yes, that's yes. that's the most iconic line. And you know, you were speaking about just how badass uh, Ripley is and Sigourney Weaver is and that's just the epitome of it all in this movie you're, you, you're, I was even today I rewatched this again today literally not two or three hours ago you know and even today I was still there going yes when she <laughs> says that line you know I still throw my arms up in the air it's one of the greatest lines in action sci-fi horror cinema history exactly it's just it's, it's oh, the whole film is the whole film's got that maternal edge to it, and it's two mothers, or well, mother figures, the queen, uh, the queen alien who's just been laying like, eggs left, right, and center in a horrific-looking sack. Um, <laughs> and obviously Ripley, who we find out her daughter died uh, while she's in stasis, so her, she's outlived her daughter by by a long shot. And uh, Newt, the little, little Newt, Carrie Hen, her parents died at the beginning of the film. Ripley then takes it upon herself to look after Newt, and in the, that's what we get at the end. We get this clashing of the kind of mother figures. And I love that moment when she puts on that cargo loading suit. And she, upon rewatching it, I didn't realize that obviously the, the way the doors open and you see is like 
fuck yes. But then it take <laughs> but then it takes a little while for her to sort of get to she the just, position where she says the line, and I love that it builds and builds to that line. Yeah, she takes a few steps out, and you know you, we've obviously seen earlier in the movie, you know, her using one of these before these like carrier machines, and you know it takes her a few seconds. Like you say, it just it just builds up. What really what I really love is though, like after that, when you get this sort of fight scene as well, the majority of it is in silence. There's no real score over it, apart from you know the noise the machines making, the noise uh, this the the queen is making. There's no background score or sound effects really until, you know, she's uh, opening the outside door. And I love that. I think that's so great. Oh, I love that. Horror is uh, always a genre which is kind of beaten with the whole, the score dictates the mood sometimes. So, you know, you get the score starts rising as something's going to happen. And then when they, when you're meant to kind of feel panic, the score tells you that. But not here, they don't. And that's a great point because before the doors open, the queen's just the queen alien's just found Newt under the floor, so we're already thinking, is Newt going to get chomped here? And then Ripley saves her, and then then the but the fight is great as well. I love the fact that a fight isn't it's not necessarily let's just pick each other up and throw each other around too much. It's more you know Ripley's having to fight with what she's got. She grabs the queen by the neck. The queen's trying to you know he's got the the little alien in her mouth. I forget what it's called <laughs> trying to get it. Then then the tail's trying to stab her. And she just has to use her smarts to get her in the airlock. And I love that it isn't this big prolonged um, fight duel. It is just visceral and just brutal for the short amount of time it's on. Yeah, because, you know, even not even in just horror films, but in action films as well, that's so cliched, isn't it? That big, the big final confrontation and, you know, like you say, that big sort of throwing each other about, doing funky moves and, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. impressive stuff. But like you say here, it, it's, it's very sort of, up close and personal you know she's she's not really attacking the queen she's just fighting her off long enough to you know get her out of this out of this door which you know she doesn't even know she's going to do at the start so it's not like she had the plan and it just shows you you know how how quick on her feet you know ripley is as a character well you may i'm i'm going to come back to the end because literally the entire sequence is just mind-blowingly good. But you mentioned lines and quotes in this film. Some of the quotes in this film, mate, are incredible. Obviously, we've they pretty much all come from Hudson as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, there's, there's two of them. One of the ones which I always laugh at is um, when when Ripley says, you know, this little girl survived longer than, than this with no weapons and no training. And Hudson's like, well, why don't you put her in charge then? It's, why don't you put her in charge? Like a whiny little sod. And of course, the the classic, it's game over, man. It's game over. Every time I see it, it's, none, of, none of these lines should work, especially that one. You think, well, this, this guy should really just be the first to die because he's a whiny bastard. But he's the, one of the, like, the heartbeat of the film and he obviously gets his last stand as well. But some of the, that's, and there's more great lines, but just those two from Hudson, man, just to sort of start on a light note. Man, come on. Uh, for, for me, it's those two, but it's also uh, start your grinning and drop your linen. Yeah. Uh, it's particularly <laughs> funny for me. Uh, but you're right, you know, like you say, in any other film, this character would probably be the one you want to die first. The most, the most annoying guy in the entire film. But it, it just works so powerfully here. And it's Bill Paxton as well. I mean, we all love Bill Paxton, rest in peace, um, yeah. you know, taken too soon. Absolutely, um, man. But yeah, the, the game over, man, is, you know, I'm, I was talking about how, you know, um, 
how iconic Get Away From Her You Bitch is, but Game Over Man is probably just as up there. Game Over Man! (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to attempt to say it, right? By the end of this episode, we'll make Ian try it. Um, (laughs) Ian's Ian's voice is a little bit deeper than mine, so we may have a bit of trouble, but um, another one, because this film has got some, like, odd humour. There's, there's, when, before we get the first salvo of the alien attack, because this film, like Alien, it takes its time to build up to, we all know what's coming. We know there are aliens out there somewhere. We've seen the first film. We know they're out there. But the, but James Cameron shows that restraint and he doesn't show us the aliens. It takes about an hour and four minutes till the action starts to slowly start the ramp up. So almost half the film we are with these Marines and we've got, they're above, a, we find they're above a thermal reactor and um, Lieutenant Gorman basically make uh, on, on Ripley's command, Lieutenant Gorman, who's a dozy sod who's in charge. Uh, he makes the <laughs> makes the team collect the magazines from their from their guns, and it's Sergeant Apollo who says, "What are we, what are we supposed to use? Harsh language?" And that gets me every time. It's just the idea of these guys just start cursing at these aliens and then just getting ripped to pieces. I feel so bad for Apollo. <laughs> you know, he had he was quite funny himself even before that. You know, when when Hudson's get like wisecracking during the briefing, <laughs> he, he's almost like here. yeah, he's like almost, you, you think he's going to go over there and just haul him over by his ear or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. He uh, then he goes out. Uh, he gets he gets eaten and st- and stuck to the wall as we find out. So uh, and uh, Corporal Dietrich as well. But um, what about the characters then? I know we've got plenty more to talk about. But uh, I mentioned the Marines in the first film. They're engineers and just people there to make a quick buck. They're you know they're workers here. They're Marines. What do you think about the characters and the characterization they get? I, it's funny because I think sometimes, especially when it comes to um, action films, if you've got things like Marines, it's really easy for them to be very cookie cutter. Yeah. And and in this film, we don't we don't get that at all because you know we've got people like Hudson and we you know we've we've spoken about Apone and 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 some others as well. And there's just a whole there's, there's they've all got these different personalities. You've also got you know Vasquez, who's this like really really tough woman um but then you've got gorman who's actually a bit of a dick <laughs> he's a <laughs> massive just, massive dick isn't he he's just a wet fart isn't he and well, that's it actually know. the guy isn't he's actually not, there's nothing wrong with the dude he's just in over his head isn't he completely in or who wouldn't be who wouldn't be in this situation but he really is he's only yeah. just his second mission isn't it yeah, he says it's only a second actual mission. But I do like the fact that they, they all do get slightly different personalities because, you know, it's very easy to have that just sort of hoorah sort of, you know, personality when it comes to, especially for things like Marines or soldiers or, or whatever you want to call them. Um, but here it's it's not quite like that. They do get some, not all of them, but, you know, the main ones, they get more subtlety with their character as well. And we get a bit of flirting between Hicks and, and, and Ripley as well. Oh, Hicks is loving it, isn't he? Yes, he is. He definitely wants a piece of uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, Michael Bean. Michael Bean's all up there. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, I, I, and it's a shame. I mean, I've got my thoughts on Alien 3. I actually don't mind that film. Upon rewatch, uh, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, like, Not, not uh, great. Let me, let me, let me paraphrase. I think it's better than... Uh, what's the, what, I can't even think what the fourth was. Resurrection. Resurrection. <laughs> I think it's better than... Resurrection is better than both AB, AVP films. I liked Prometheus and I enjoyed Covenant. But I think Alien Three gets a bad rap. I think it, it, yes, it's 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 a bit of a hot mess, but I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, no, I'm with I'm with you. I, I don't mind Alien Three. Again, it's it's nothing compared to Alien and Aliens. Um, resurrect. Re, I think anything that's just got the word resurrection in its title um, is just a, a hot steaming 
uh, tired. Um, if anyone, if you've not watched Halloween Resurrection, oh, and, you, know, you know we thought Halloween Three was bad enough. But, was Resurrection uh, one with um, was it Bust- Buster Rhymes? Yeah, Buster Rhymes. He would have fucked the Xenomorph up as well. <laughs> You'd have roundhouse kick that Xenomorph straight off exactly. the space station. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! They, there's a good show, and actually, horror is again. Well, I'm not a passion horror. Ian knows. Well, I do a bloody horror podcast. I love horror <laughs> films, but sometimes. Yeah, certainly in slasher films, the characterization they don't get too much depth afforded to them. They're just there for the killer to look good. But here, you know, we're all waiting for the xenomorph because we, we, we've seen them in the first film. We're all waiting for the xenomorph to turn up. But we get Hicks, Dietrich, Hudson, Vasquez, uh, Sergeant Apone, and then we get the ones who don't get as much. Pharaoh, Drake, Cross, Spunk, Meyer, Crow, and Vierbowski are the others who don't get quite as much. But we do kind of see the battle from their point of view at, from certain points. But I like the fact that at least we got to spend some time with them and we got to find out more about them. And as the film goes on as well, as more and more get picked off, we, it, isn't, it doesn't just turn, straight away turn into the Ripley show. We have moments, as I mentioned, uh, Hudson gets his last stand. So does uh, Vasquez and Gorman as well. They get their last stand in the event as well. So everybody gets a moment. It isn't just, well, let's pick these Marines off so we can make Ripley look cool. Ripley's looking cool whilst the Marines are getting their moments as well. So I appreciated that as well. Yeah, they get their last stands as well relatively close to the end of the film. Like, you know what you're saying? Like, it takes almost half the movie to get into it. But, you know, um, Hudson's, you know, he and, and Vasquez, they make it quite de- really deep into the film. So it's not yeah. like, you know, you've got the entire last hour is just like you say, the Ripley show. Yeah, obviously, when we get to the big sort of final showdown, it's it's all about Ripley versus the Queen. But, yeah, oh. you know, you're right. They definitely get, and because we get that first sort of hour, in, what was it, four minutes, I think you said? Pretty much, um, yeah around about that we get all that time or the, a lot of that time with these people before you know the shit hits the fan and you can see a bit more of their actual personalities coming through with it as well so i think that makes it made a big difference to this film because if they just came in and been you know your sort of bog standard soldier types they wouldn't have worked at all for the film and you know it would have been a big a big negative yeah well uh, i guess the only other Unless obviously apart from the cat, but the other main character, uh, oh, we haven't mentioned Newt, we will do, but is uh, his book, played by Paul Reiser. Um, he reminds me of J.J. Abrams if he took his glasses off. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head now. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this has ruined the film for me. Now I can just think of him on set thinking he's in a Star Wars or Star Trek film. I'd never noticed that before. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Now, now, if he took his glasses off, it's Paul Reiser in this film. But um, Burke is Burke is great. He's always got his collar up. You can tell he's a company man. You can tell he's a slimy bastard. But he does so well. It kind of making you think at certain times of the film, like, is he the bad guy? Is or is he really trying to help? Or is he just a bastard? And as it turns out. He's a massive ass. Uh, yeah, because he, he goes along with Ripley at times. You know, he sticks up for her as well at times as well, which is what obviously, like you're saying, makes you makes you sort of question it. And then, and what I like as well is you know his big betrayal at the end is actually quite low key, you know, yeah. because we're too busy with the xenomorphs. And I, I quite like the fact that even you know the director is saying Burke doesn't mar. You know, he's a little shit and he's been, he's, <laughs> you know, um, and that doesn't matter. And he gets killed off and we all are very happy when that happens. Apparently, really apparently I read um, that even uh, his real life mum said good when he died <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> wow. Um, so that just shows you how, how much of a, d- a dick the character of Burke is. But, what a great know, performance then. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really love the fact that you know the, the, that sort of whole like, and obviously he still gets his death scene and and whatnot, but it's kind of low key compared to the fact that because everyone else is trying to fight off the xenomorphs, you know. Um, but but yeah, I, I kind of like the sort of red herring in that with the is he isn't he, you know, because I, I, you do kind of play it, you know, where you're like mm-hmm. you're automatically you know very suspicious of him anyway. But there is moments where that suspicion you think, all right, that, that he might be okay. And then he's not. <laughs> he, then he is as an artist. His death is fairly unceremonious. He he closes the door so nobody can get in. And then we don't necessarily see scenes of him kind of running around panicking and uh, inter, inter, interspersed with the fighting. He closes the door. They try to get through. The fighting's carrying on. We have some last stands. They're trying to get through the door. And then we see Burke. He, he kind of, he's, he's looking for a door. He turns around. He dies. So it's fairly kind of like, whoa, okay. And that, but I love that. I love that they didn't build up to the fact that he was going to die. They didn't make it, you know, quite, they didn't telegraph it as much as they could have done. They didn't telegraph it. They didn't give the character more than the character deserved. Yes. And, you know, it's instant karma, which we all love to see. Great. <laughs> it's brilliant, mate. Uh, especially when we find out that book. Book was the one who sent the colonists to LV426 in the first place. So yes. book sent them there. They've all been... You know they've all been, uh, had, they've all had a face hugger, a cuddle from a face hugger, and Ripley's. And the whole point, the whole issue now is Ripley's going to tell everyone in the company what Burke did. And Burke starts sniveling. He's like, you know, he's, I can't, I can't what he says now, but he says something to her, and you know, Ripley just gives a great response back, and that's when Burke realizes, right, he's he's totally screwed now. The only way he can, the only way he can save himself is to ensure he's the only one who gets off the off this ship and. We, uh, we, we, he traps, we say traps, Ripley and Newt are trapped in a room and there's a face hugger in there and uh, Ripley's waving at the cameras, you know, Hicks, guys, come on. And Rise of the Bastard turns off the monitor, doesn't he? <laughs> he turns off the monitor, man. <laughs> yeah, that's another great scene though, you know, just the two of them in that room. There, there's two face huggers as well. The moment where, oh, yeah. you know, where, where uh, Newt is watching Ripley. You know, she's trying to fight off this facehugger, and in the background, you just see this other one crawling oh, over the back. And you know, facehug facehuggers. I don't know about you, they give me the fucking willies. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, they are literally, they are literally genital-looking things. But no, no, they're they, they're perfect because they look awful. I mean, they look horrible, and they sound horrible as well. And they're such a horrible, like, and by horrible, I mean great, but a horrible design. It's so oh, bloody yeah. effective, mate. It's like it's 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 spiders with human fingers, oh, right? You know, and a tail. And a tail. Yeah. That's what they are. And a and giant I hate spiders. And a, and a giant spiders. Yes, yeah, so that's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just one big walking genital. Is what it is. It doesn't matter which one. It's either. But um, the fun the thing about that as well, Burke's quite willing to let Newt die in that moment. He doesn't care. I just realised uh, it's only just dawned on me that because you're so fixated on Ripley, like, dog, oh, hope Ripley survives that. You know, Burke's also just, you know, killing a child, basically, in that same moment. So he's yeah, we, that's but, when we know he's an absolute wrong one. Yeah, I mean, what is she, like eight years old, something like that? Something eight, like that, yeah. You know, she's young as well. It's not like she's a teenager. You could be like, yeah, teenagers are annoying. That's fine. You can <laughs> yeah. kill them off. She's just a, she's just a, a young thing, and she's been she's been through a lot. <laughs> let's, be, mm. let's be real. The Newt's kind of gone through the mill. And, we'll, and spoilers for Alien 3, but we'll never, we'll never forgive... Dude. Uh, we'll never forgive them for what they did in Alien 3 for that. I think that's the only reason why people hate that film, to be honest. Uh, I, don't, I think you may be right there, mate, because the, 
uh, without digressing too much, the original the, the original screenplays for Alien Three, even with uh, Newt and Hicks in, weren't particularly great anyway. So Alien, the one we got was one of the better options. But then <laughs> there's that at the beginning, and even Michael Bean was so disgusted he wouldn't he wouldn't give his right his likeness, and I think he finally relented. But they had to pay him so much money so much money to be able to use a picture of him because he said, no, I don't want anything to do with this. You, you've killed me off so unceremoniously. I don't want, I'm not letting you even use my like my image. So they paid him a ton of money. So, and he's quite, I read a, I watched an interview with him and he's, he's like uh, rubbing his hands in glee at the story. Like I played him like a fiddle there and good on him though. He loves yeah, the character. And quite right too. You know, he's, he's, he clearly put a lot into this movie and he gives a great performance as well. Cause I think that's another thing people think of horror movies. Um, wrongfully sometimes you know quite quite wrongfully sometimes and think oh well it's places where you know not very good actors go or mm-hmm. you know spent or action movies as well like make a quick buck for yeah exactly and you know some some horror movies specifically in the last few years have had some sensational um <laughs> acting performances but um i think everyone kind of there's no one in here you think oh that's that's bad acting you know that, that just it's not it's not here you know yeah okay some of the some of the soldiers are are, are are pretty standard. Well, they're but, pretty hammy, aren't they, at times? Yeah, but, but, yeah. I mean, but it, it plays up to uh, everyone who matters to this film does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. So I had a mouthful of tea then. Um, <laughs> honestly, even, and I have, oh, and this, I always sound so awful saying this, but sometimes I think kid actors are bloody awful. But I think... They're very, it's, they're, it's very hit or miss, isn't it? Like, it is. They're, they're either great or they're, they're terrible. They can't all be Linda Bear, can they? But okay, this is Carrie Hen's only acting credit because she quit acting after this and it's not a bad credit to have but even even new even when she speaks as well because she's she's very expressionistic a lot of acting with her um her eyes and obviously her face is all grabby so her face does a lot of the acting Mm. but even when she is uh asked to speak she's uh she's pretty good there's only one line which i reckon i wish i'd done one more take on and that's when she goes, they're dead, all right. Can I go now? Yes. Every every time, yeah. every time. That, it's a, that's fine, the, but you can tell that yeah, she's, it, it isn't delivered with quite as much gusto yes. as it could have been. We found the one thing that we're going to criticize yeah. in this yeah, movie. Newt, you little shit. Ruin the film. <laughs> no wonder you quit acting. <laughs> I think the thing as well, for, especially with Newt as well, she, she screams a lot in this film as well. Oh, and it's man. And it's that, you know, high-pitched little girl scream. And that could have been so annoying so quickly. But for some reason... I don't know about you, but for me, um, that and that never happened, and it's because I think in between that she's actually given a pretty good performance. Mm-hmm. No, she is, and Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean as well. Uh, their characters, Hicks and Ripley. Obviously, Ripley because she has that maternal bond, and we care so much about Ripley, and we can see Newt kind of coming around to as well. We now see them as like a surrogate mother and daughter kind of couple. So the two are sort of joined by that relationship, and Hicks could almost be like the dad in this he certainly liked to be um so there's <laughs> there's that kind of trio going on and so we we and we also come to care for Newt because she's like I say she isn't a, an annoying kid she's been to her she's actually watched her she's seen her family die she saw her dad with a face hug on his damn face and she's had to live underneath in these tunnels because she knows there's monsters out there it's not a case of a frightened kid who's you know a bit scared of the dark this kid knows there's monsters out there. Has <laughs> had to hide the whole time for her life. Um, so we kind of we sympathise with her in, in that moment, and then at the end, 
which kind of kicks well kicks off the very end sequence when uh when she's supposedly lost she falls down the like the fan into the river yeah. into the uh, water sorry and we think oh no she's lost you cut that we're meant to kind of be like oh no and we are but that's also very and that's not this isn't to discredit carrie hen whatsoever but a lot of that is also down to how sigourney weaver reacts and ripley how she reacts to the idea that newt might be gone i think it's so well done mate yeah because as well like it would, there, there's no question in ripley's mind is there there's no two ways about it she's going to go save her like it's there's no even hesitation you know there's a moment where you think hicks is just trying to get her away um and obviously he is but not from saving um from saving newt there's absolutely just no doubt in her mind and then you get that whole sort of that sort of build up where she's like preparing to go to go and get her and you know she's like loading up all the weapons and it's like that's the badass scene i mentioned it's so she's literally like I'm not going. You keep you keep the ship here. I'm going to go and get her. And she just gets tanked up with these weapons, and it's like, yes, you'll do that. Like, it's just so. No, she's just the ultimate action hero. She's just quality, and the fact that, like I say, it's that, that maternal side of it as well. It's like it, 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 there's is just a perfect package in this action style. Yeah, and and even when you know, once she goes down there, it would have been really easy. I think the temptation for her to just go in and just start, you know, kicking arse, yeah, and shoot, shooting the place up and and whatever else. I think the temptation to do that would be really easy, but she doesn't as well. Which I think you know they still show that restraint, you know. And again, that's another scene that sort of almost harkens back to the original somewhat because it's very tense, you know, when oh. she when she meets. <laughs> When you when you know you realise that she's surrounded by all the eggs and there's the queen and you like you you were talking about that hideous sack thing oh. that's laying the eggs. Um, uh, it's it's very slimy. This is a very slimy movie. It's basically icky, isn't it? You know, and even then she still shows restraint. And I like there's almost a moment in that scene as well. You know, where she's obviously threatening to. Um, set fire to all the eggs yeah. you know and, and she backs off and then that moment where one of them opens and there's almost like a bit i, don't, I know xenomorphs don't have eyes but there's almost like eye contact between her and Rip, uh, the ripley and the queen and she's yeah. like just go come on you know i'm don't, gonna just don't I'm do just it like, don't do it i'm gonna and, do it and then she does it and I, I love that like there's so much like in that scene there's so much just non-verbal acting and i love it oh mate you've when they're face to face and you see just how many eggs are there? But then you realise that from all, from every crevice, a xenomorph is lurking, and they're coming round the corner slowly. It's almost like Hellraiser when the Cenobites are just like starting to um, converge. But the, but you see the mother, the queen alien. She kind of, like you say, non, there's no noise, but kind of gives the xenomorphs a look as if to say, right, back off, or else yeah. she's going to blow this up. But I quite like that. I didn't find that any kind of deus ex machina where it's like, oh, she's going to kill the... Like, the Queen would really care. Yes, the Queen would care because the whole... Again, I think a lot of the film is that kind of maternal bond and it also, with the Queen, she's like a bit more selfish with hers, whereas uh, Ripley is a bit more <laughs> selfless with hers. Um, but I, honestly, mate, I love that. And the way she the way she backs off and that bloody egg... The egg opens and it is almost a case of, is she going to do it? And I... To, I when I was watching it, I was just thinking... I could imagine the character of Ripley now thinking back to the events of the first film, mm-hmm. thinking about how she didn't want to be here in the first place, how she's basically been conned into getting here and how she's now kind of taken uh mothership of this young child. And all that's just gone through her mind. And she's just like, you know, just F this. 
you know, even 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 as I'm staring down a grotesque alien mother, <laughs> I don't care anymore. You know, I, I'm in charge here. I love that moment, and the way she just absolutely just lays waste to all these eggs. It's so well, and then, and then just for good measure, chucks a load of grenades in there as well, just to make sure. But then, yeah, <laughs> the queen knocks up. <laughs> oh, do, yeah, do, do. You can't, you can't just, uh, you've got to make sure they're gone. You've got to reverse back over them, haven't you? Um, and then the oh. queen obviously gets off and that horrible, she like breaks away from the sack and. Bleh, bleh. <laughs> That's a sentence no one wants to hear, is it? Breaks no. away, breaks away from the sack. <laughs> exactly. Lockdown. <laughs> You know what? It's funny you say that. You know, um, one it, it, it reminded me another scene where Ripley's just a bit of a badass as well. Is it's quite early on, um, and it's just when we get that sort of big first confrontation between all the soldiers when we lose like our secondary soldiers, <laughs> yep. um, and she takes ownership of, of the car that they're driving or this the space yeah. vehicle that they're driving, and one of the xenomorphs is is on the car and trying to get her. And she like just breaks, no even hesitation, starts up and runs that dude over, like and crushes, it's, it's, crushes its skull. And you know it has that really. And throughout this film, they have that big sort of shrieking noise um, that the that the xenomorphs make, and that's I think that's just another great moment. And it shows as well that you know she means business when she's here. You know she's here to kill all of these things because of course by this point as well that had we met, I don't even. Had, but had we met Newt at this point? I can't remember. Um, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think we had done. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't. I just couldn't remember. But but this. Yes, point, we yeah. had. Yeah, because she was like she was a, a jump scare moment because the uh, that's when the squad getting they they yeah, they're in right. the ship now and they've got the motion sensors for the the, mo- the tracking sensors for the first time and Newt kind of runs past the camera really quickly so. Oh, the motion sensors themselves might as well be a character in this film, oh, too. I love that. Because there's nothing in this film builds the tension like those, <laughs> those motion <laughs> sensors. Just that beeping slowly and slowly getting slightly quicker. That's impossible. That means you're in the room with us. No, <laughs> look up. Oh, and that is great. That that moment towards the end is is great where they've... um where they've sealed the doors. They've sealed themselves in this room thinking the aliens are outside because the motion sensor is telling them they're approaching. So they sealed themselves in and the movement's everywhere. And we get the shot. I think it's of, um, it's, is it, it's, it's it's Hicks, Hicks. It's Hicks. Hicks. He puts his, he uses his gun to look up and then you get that great shot of them, of that, this army of xenomorphs just coming towards him. And that's what that, that there is where the third act really just begins. And it just goes wild into overdrive from there. Yeah. And it's great, mate. It's going. That's where Hudson's last stand as well. And I love the fact that he went down fighting as well. He didn't get taken out like a punk. Yeah, he went because, down fighting because you, there's a moment in there where you think that's going to happen as well, yep. isn't there? Because yes. you know he's sort of losing his cool a little bit, and he's he's lost his rag. And Hicks and Va- uh, Vasquez and Ripley are all starting to get a bit annoyed with him, but <laughs> he pulls his shit together in the end um, and goes down fighting like a champ like a king and yeah the first time you see the motion sensors is that's that's when that's around the hour four minute mark where things start to slowly ramp up and i love that we get that sign up multiple signals they're closing so to that as far as the characters know what you know what is they what what, what's closing ripley knows and we know it's closing uh but the characters the characters don't um apart from obviously before that one of the dead colonists is in the wall and a chestburster comes out uh decides to turn up uh, and they set it on fire. So that, that's when it's let the games begin. We find out Lieutenant Gorman is just gormless, and the attack's an absolute disaster. The attack, you know, the, it's a disaster, and like, and then Ripley, Rip, that's when Ripley starts taking control as well. Yeah. 
She, yeah, yeah, because she, she, she realizes that, that Gorman's useless. Let's be honest, he's useless, isn't he? He's he, 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 he redeems himself a bit at the end, in the end, but up until this point, he's he's worse than useless. Yeah, he, and I think she realizes that not everyone is useless, but nobody knows what they're dealing with, including Riser, Gorman, and even the Marines, until they start to become a bit more wise to what's happening. Ripley's the only one who knows what's happening. She has to take control in that moment. And that's where we see, because we, we saw it in the first film where she starts, she starts to take control of the situation. She does it here because, again, like, like I mentioned about the end, she knows exactly what she's dealing with. She's basically been conned into getting up there almost. And um, she doesn't want to, she wants all of these things to die. There's no way she wants the company, Wayland Dutani, taking these back to earth. And she, it's like a one woman, um, a one woman crusade against these xenomorphs. And I love it, man. I'm all, I'm all for that. Um, Bishop, we haven't mentioned Bishop as well. Bishop the Android, because in the first film we had uh, again Ian Holm, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. His uh, his Android was a bit of a turncoat, but Bishop, Bishop's one of the good ones. He is, he is. Although there's a there's that moment again, isn't there, where you think he's turned, he's left them, you know, right at the end. That yeah, brief, yeah. That brief second, you know, where she comes back up the from the left gone. and the ship's gone. And she's just there, you know, I can't, I can't remember exactly what she says. She's just like, like Bishop, you bastard. Yeah, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I love. But no, you're right. And then, um, you know, we're introduced with Bishop as well with the, the knife scene, the hand trick, <laughs> yeah. which is a great scene. I love that scene so much. It just, it's just it's just Bill Paxton sells it, and he and they did it on set as well. It's a real thing. Um, they did. Bill Paxton didn't know about it. <laughs> no, and if I, I would be screaming as well if I was. Everyone else knew that. about it apart from Bill Paxton. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy went through the ringer. Um, Bill Paxton, he said, uh, like oh, in an interview, like years later, he said that everybody got on so well off off screen. Uh, Michael Bean and Bill Paxton, they hung out a lot together. They they all stayed uh, in in the Holiday Inn. In Berkshire, which is not, <laughs> it's exactly, it's all you know, real classy. They all stayed at that nothing long on the holiday, and they all stayed in the holiday in Berkshire, which is not far from here where I live actually. And he just said, "Look, they had such a good time. They all really got on well together." And the camaraderie of the Marines comes from that, and the way that Cameron shot certain scenes, um, he he shot the, the scenes where we needed that camaraderie and bonding. He shot those at the end of production, so then they'd have even more time to get to know each other. And it's great, and there's some great behind-the-scenes stories. I won't go into all of them because there's so many, but it's um, it was really lovely to read. Obviously, Bill Paxton and his his memories on set, and how how everybody kind of came together in this kind of strange little family. I think you can really see that though as well, because you know you get that there's a between multiple characters. Obviously, you know there's some that are really explicit, like there's obviously some sort of really good friendship between Velasquez and and Drake. Um, but you also get like everyone has like a really good affinity for a pawn, and you know they they kind of he has almost that sort of fatherly uh, bond with with all of his his you know his soldiers, and you know so that that definitely comes really comes through, and I think that works quite well because that makes Gorman stand out even more. <laughs> uh, just you know what an outsider he is, uh, outsider he is in this group. I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine he was at the bar after after work with the guys because that that's how Cameron did it. He kept he kind of kept everybody in their own little circles. Ripley and um, I don't know if it was Gorman. It was Ripley and uh, definitely Newt, of course. They were kind of kept apart from the Marines during filming, 
So they would have certainly initially. So they would have that outsider feel. So when when they're on set bantering, and then Ripley turns up, obviously they're they're all acting, but the Marines have that like real life uh, bond as well. Which I think again it shows really it's little moments like that in the filmmaking process, which is, which is sometimes overlooked, but they're so important, and it really does work because if you can get a, if you can nail your casting, and again casting directors don't often get the credit they deserve. If you can nail the casting. Then and then you can get everyone to bond as well. This is what you get. You get a film where, like you said, it could end up. It could have been like Starship Troopers, which I love that film. <laughs> it, it could have been a lot like that, and I dig that film. But then it's no aliens. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's no aliens. And I've seen a few people say that if it wasn't for Sigourney Weaver, this film would just be B movie trash. I don't agree with that. But um, with the introduction of the Marines, in hindsight, so many other films have taken the Marines. And turn them into, like you mentioned, like cardboard cutout characters. Whereas here, here you, you believe that they are, they've been on missions together. Hey, Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? <laughs> Great line, man. And, it, and the way everybody reacts, it's, they are like a gang who have been there together and they've been through, they've fought, they've seen things, man. And I think they capture that so damn well, man. Yeah, no, I completely agree that this the chemistry between this between specifically like you said you're talking about the soldiers there, but even I know they were kept apart in the beginning, but even you know Ripley and Hex, who we, we obviously there, there's a lot of on screen chemistry with them there. It just works, you know. And I feel like I don't you know you were saying there as well. Who people are saying if you take Sigourney Weaver out of this, I think if you take almost any of them out of this, it becomes a much lesser of a movie. You know, if, if 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 Hudson's not there or if Hicks isn't there, like, I think they're all, you know, obviously there's maybe one or two that's obviously slightly more important, but I think they all have really great importance to how this movie actually comes across. Even the likes of Velasquez and Gorman and Burke, I think that they're all just as vital to this. Yeah, the dynamic changes massively by taking one of them out. And it's it's a classic case of what if you see some of the, potential castings that could have been <laughs> for this film and you think well what if that person had been in or what if that person had been in and again we will never know but hindsight tells us that this was the right team and like you say you take one out maybe the film wasn't quite as good yeah definitely i mean who i mean who what do i know take one out and put someone else in it might have been even better but we're, we're never going to know that and you know i think you know obviously I, think, I don't think it's a secret at this point that we, we quite like the final product that we got. I think it's movie. all right, mate. It's all right. It's no alien resurrection, but you know, what what is, huh? It's no, it's no Halloween resurrection. Is what oh, you, Christ. <laughs> it's not even a season of the witch, is it? Silver Shamrock. Um, I like the opening of this film as well, mate. It's Wayland Jutani. Sing along. That's right. Um, he won't, see, look, Ian won't do the uh, uh, a Bill Paxton impression, but he'll happily sing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds yeah. very on brand for me, to be yeah, honest. He hasn't, even, he hasn't even cracked any open at the minute, so uh, God knows what he'd be like after a few tins and <laughs> tenants. Um, I like the opening of this scene, mate, where you get the... Um, we have the fake out opening with the the cat. What's the what's the cat called? Um, Jonesy. Jonesy, of course, Jonesy. Where Jonesy's just hissing at Ripley, and you're like, oh, what's, what's got up Jonesy's tail? 
And then, then Ripley's like, oh no, she starts convulsing. You're thinking, what a, what a, like, the bollocks on James Cameron to open and kill Ripley. And then it's obviously a dream sequence. Oh, could you, could you actually, like, speaking about what ifs, could you imagine if that was just the opening of this film? I mean, a hell of a subversion, man, if, if that turns up. And so Gordon Weaver in it for like three minutes, it, it would be like a, like a, that would be a horror trope. You know, the final girl comes back in the next film, she's just off quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, poor Jonesy, he went through it in the first film, Mike. He deserves to be suspicious in this film. Dude, if I'd seen, I have to think, Cats of Nine Lives, but I, I don't think he's, I don't I think mean, one would be enough for that dude. Poor sod. He's, he's seen more in his life than I'll ever see in mine. He's a cat. Talking about, you know, Vasquez and things, seeing some stuff. Jonesy's seen some stuff. Dude, dude, Jonesy from the first film. Jonesy's the real hero of these films, I think. Yes, yes. Stick with Jonesy and you'll survive. That's it. That's the moral of these stories. Yeah, with Jones, uh, and again, it's me saying I really quite quite like the film, but Alien 3, Jonesy's... Do we ever find out if the cat died? <gasps> oh, that's a good question. I would need to go and, I'd need to go and check. I'm not I don't sure. know what I'm saying about a cat, because I know that... Uh, a, a dog and, and then depending on which version a bison gets um, xenomorphed <laughs> but I know they don't imagine if Jonesy got it that would have people writing if yeah. they kill off Newton Hicks and then they impregnate Jonesy of a pissing alien oh a little a little um, like Aliens versus Predator we get a little cat um, alien crossover Jesus Christ <laughs> who's funding this movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, uh, I, we spoke about those on uh, another show NPM I do every week and it's just it was great to go back and watch them because the first actually as I said on that show the first one ain't as, isn't as bad as I remember AVP it's not great but it's fine it's you know it's got a decent idea behind it but the second one Jesus what, what the <laughs> hell they went for that honestly they just went you first you can't see because it's so dark and then yes, yes. whoever the, I think it's the the, the like pretentiously named the brothers Strauss who directed it. I think they just tried to go like too like too dark and too bad with the whole hospital scene and that. And, I think as well. I think the uh, problem though. I think you know what? Like I love Predator, Arnold yes. Schwarzenegger Predator, one of the greatest action slash horror movies as well. Um, I, I really Predator Two's all right. You know, Daddy Glover. That's fine. See, see everything after that is. Total. What about the Adrian Brody one? Because I didn't mind that. Mm, I Not couldn't. Fan? I couldn't. I don't. I didn't hate it as much as I hated the newest one. I think it was it. Is it the Predator or Predator? I think I it's know. the Predator with the oh, pred, pred dogs. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't quite hate it as much as I hated the new one. But anyway, but the point is, you know, I think that's actually the Predators half of that, those movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really sort of do it for me. Um, I think you can chuck the xenomorphs in anywhere. They're always going to be creepy and they're always going to be, you know, slimy and icky and devious and things like that. The Predators, it's a bit, it's a bit boring now. <laughs> no, you're right. And that's, and um, we'll get back onto Alien in a minute, but that was one of my, <laughs> that's one of my big things about the Alien franchise, which I've mentioned before, is uh, obviously Ridley Scott's continuing it with this, with the prequel series and apparently he's desperate to do a third um, installment, so one uh, another one after Covenant. But my, I, I always ask people this, and I shall ask a question of you: Is what can they do? What because obviously Fox slash Disney now want they want this franchise to keep going. They've just they're releasing Alien Fires Team, which looks quality. They've got the Alien TV series coming out, which should hopefully be badass. But what can they do to make the films relevant again? What can what how can they shake things up so it isn't just people go into uh, space or uh, a deserted planet and aliens hunt them 
I don't know. I think I think is it surely the the only thing left to do is to have them on Earth, right? Well, I think that was where was that where AVP was kind was of going, going wasn't it? You know? It was AVP was going to go there, which then kind of makes me think. Well, hold on, wasn't they? They were there all along, weren't they? They they were there fighting in Antarctica yeah. the whole time, and Ripley's like, "Don't let them get to Earth," but they've been there for thousands of years, so kind of makes the first film a bit pointless. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I don't I don't know where you go with it to be honest with you. You know, like obviously like you were saying, you know, Disney's got all these big grand plans mm. for for what they've uh, for what they want from th- this franchise. I'm not really I'm not sure. I'm just I don't think I mean this is sounds a very pretentious thing. I just don't think you're ever going to recreate what you had with those first two. Movies. I think you, you'll still get probably get some really quality films. I don't think we're ever going to get anything that's going to be as good as Alien or Aliens. And I think that's always a tough thing to to, to have to live up to as well. Um, you know, they've got they've got some serious work on their hands. I quite I, I don't mind the the sort of um, Prometheus Covenant movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're 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 pretty solid. And yep. you know, this, uh, the Covenant. Um, I, saw, I think I saw Covenant not that long ago actually, and it, it, it's 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 good. But again, it's it's not Alien or Aliens, you know, and exactly, and they never will do. I mean, look, Terminator and Predator have both got this same issue, and Bill Paxton was killed in all of those franchises as well, actually, <laughs> an Alien, a Terminator, and a Predator. Um, he is so, the glue that holds all these franchises together. It certainly was game over, man, in every one of those films. But <laughs> game I'm, over, man. Yes, we got there. <laughs> got this. Game over, man. Um, you want to put her in charge? The, um, yeah, I think Alien 5, the original Alien 5 script from that Ridley Scott wanted to do, I believe, was going to be set on Earth. Wayland Utani had finally got them to Earth. And I can't remember what was going to happen, but that was with that kind of infamous, within the genre, famous concept art of Ripley kind of made up as a xenomorph. But it turns oh, out yeah. it was like, an, it turned out it was like, it was armor she was wearing, but. Um, it looked the concept might look creepy and great. It probably looks a bit stupid in real life, but um, <laughs> he does. He desperately wants to do another film. He wants to continue this, but again, I'm no screenwriter, or not, and obviously I'm not a director, so I, I haven't got the answers. But I, I just I think, wanted to know I, what they could do. To, I think to, it all depends as well on whether or not Sigourney Weaver would come back as well. Yeah, I think show. that's you know that's a big thing. She came back for the video game. Um, yes. I don't know if you if you played Alien Isolation. Scared the shit out of me. I I literally just played it like a couple of weeks ago. I was streaming it, and, uh, <laughs> and to say I was cocking my pants every <laughs> every five minutes would have been an understatement. I got um, about twenty minutes through, and I have no shame in saying I have to, I had to stop it. That was three years ago, and I haven't put it back on since. I was terrified I, of this- it. This was a week ago, and it took me nine hours to complete, <laughs> and I sat through all nine hours. Of it. it was it was hell. But you know, obviously, and then she came back for that, um, and obviously that set around uh, her daughter. So it's obviously set in between one and uh, Alien and Aliens. I almost said yeah. one and two there. That's sacrilegious. No, Alien this. one. Come on, <laughs> I haven't got you on this show for those kind of mistakes. <laughs> amateur (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know so it's that's obviously set between alien and aliens but i don't know if there's something you could go with that storyline as well there's a lot you could do yeah there is it's just how it it all all comes down to who's going to helm it could 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 you you know could we have a world where we have an alien a race of alien like and they've weaponized the aliens and we're having to fight against the, a, like a weaponized alien, or because they tried isn't, that in isn't Resurrection. That they tra- isn't that as well what they tried to do in the newest Predator? 
Yeah, actually, Christ, they, they've they've done that as well. Um, you know, so that again, like I get, like it's it's there's a lot that's been done at this point. As well. <laughs> Shocking that you know, cinema's only been around for however many years. There's quite a lot of it's already been done, but I don't know. Like I'm sure they'll come up with something. I hope we don't just get more aliens in space. Although you know, I'd probably still watch it. Um, I would like just like you know, I'd like to see something a little bit fresh. Yeah, yeah, I. I, I honestly don't know, mate. But listen, if, if they if they give us aliens in space, which they tried to do a covenant, and parts of that film were decent, and some of the ideas in it were quite good, it's just it, it, we know what's coming as an audience now, and that's the problem. The audience are there, same as when in the eighties people would go and watch, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street or or the Friday the Thirteenth films. The audience are there for the bad guys. They're there for Freddy and Jason. In an alien, any new alien film, that's why Prometheus did so bad, poorly of the critics and the fans. Because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. They thought it was going to be alien. And yeah, it's going because, to be lots of aliens. Yeah, because people hear alien prequel and you're like, oh, yes, excellent. More xenomorphs, more this, more that. And and obviously that's that's not what they got. Right. Like you said, more aliens in space, I'm sure, would be great. Um, you know, probably still better than Jason in space. but Yeah, that was crap, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah you're absolutely right it depends who's who's in charge it depends if they can get some of the cast back it depends how original and how fresh the actual setting is i mean that that sort of alien atmosphere and alien aesthetic is i think pretty key and i think that is absolutely going to run through whatever they do And, and i love that aesthetic but they need to change some of the parts yeah, you're never going to um, you're never going to please everyone. That's for sure. So there will always be members of the, the diehard who you know who maybe have read the comics or whatever, and they they want a certain way, and they're probably not going to get that because they've got to be able to give the mainstream audience what they want as well. So there's that, and as Prometheus showed, the mainstream audience wants aliens, but that can get boring <laughs> quite quickly. So which is why it's, it's amazing that Aliens managed to be as good as it was um, because. The, the novelty had worn off in the marketing for alien they never showed the xenomorph so the first time you saw it was in cinema you're going you're going into aliens knowing what you're going to get but they, they twisted it up with the marines and the action but i don't know how they could do that again i don't know how they could do that yeah. again maybe the future is in the tv series who knows i think as well the, what was like with this movie with aliens they didn't test screen it at all either so no. there was no, aside from, you know, obviously who was filming it, the cast and the crew, there was no one who really knew what was actually going to expect. You know, there was no one who'd gotten sneak peeks. None of the press had gotten sneak peeks of it. Uh, they didn't test screen this at all. And I think that also worked in its favour. Um, and like you say, the cat is long out of the bag when it comes to when it comes to these movies. So I think that's uh, that's something that definitely helped this film. Yeah, yeah, no, and the, they had to change it up, and and James Cameron did a hell of a job. Um, I don't think any other uh, cool moments other than obviously the the, the main ending itself. Um, well, I actually, I actually have a question for you, and it's not specifically about aliens, but obviously this is this is a sequel, and is this the best ever sequel, dude? I was going to ask you that. So, <laughs> with, uh, is this man? It is. This film is always asked in that conversation because you get things like at the time that the empire strikes back is it the best sequel of all time aliens terminator 2 are they the best sequels of all time jaws 2 oh um <laughs> you get those kind of uh pre- <sighs> but you've got you, i mean but it's it's you know it's, like yeah. I, I tried to list a few 
before I came on because I thought I thought this was going to come up, and if you didn't bring it up, I was going to bring it up anyway. And I I had T two, I had uh, Empire Strikes Back, I also had um, some more. I had an old one, Bride of Frankenstein, down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also had a couple of more modern ones. I had the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, God, and yeah. I've got Dark Knight, and those are my sort of. I know a load of people always say Godfather too, but um, my shame is that I've never seen a Godfather movie. So I, I, I think the Godfather's a good. I think the Godfather's a great film, but it's not one of my favorite films of all time. And the Godfather Two is also a great film, but they don't they don't hit me in that way. But as a film fan, yes, I, that probably is one of the best sequels of all time, given how it built on the first film, but. It's not one I go back to watch. So personally, I would put others um, ahead of it. I the films you mentioned, though, I can't really, I can't look past. I'm desperately thinking off the top of my head. <laughs> are, are there any? There's none. They're, 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 we've had good sequels, but none which hit the level of they're good and are actually better than an already iconic first film. And no, that to me is what it is because you can have a sequel to a bad film and it, you know, you can have a, a sequel. The first film was crap. A sequel comes along like the week, the new recent Ouija films or Ouija first film wasn't great. The second one was all right, actually, but I wouldn't call that one of the best sequels ever because it improves. <laughs> but, but I so saw those films you mentioned though. I think they're, they're your gold standard, all of them. And they, they cover different genres as well, which is what I quite like. It's up there, mate. It's up there. I think a lot of people would shout empire strikes back and I may do as well, but because that also subverted, the expectations from the first film. But God damn, this is such a good film, isn't it? It's just such a good film, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, you know, there's five or six movies like we've been talking about that easily, like if someone said that's the best sequel, you'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see. I, I, I'll go with that. But yeah, you're right. Because Alien, like we say, is so iconic, you know, and it's it's so well loved specifically as well by horror fans. You know, yeah. obviously we we're talking about how Alien's slight, like, more overtly horror than than you know aliens is um but it's so well loved and to to take that to build upon that and to to, to do two both you know they've they've paid homage to the original they've got so many elements of the original in there you know they've still got that really tense it's still quite claustrophobic at times but they've also blown it up completely you know we've went from one xenomorph to a hundred xenomorphs you know (laughs) we've got the queen which wasn't we didn't get in that first movie you know there's so it's 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 gone all the way to 11 but still maintain so much of that original film as well and that atmosphere. And for me, that's why this will always be one of the best sequels of all time. And I think, I think you've almost hit the nail on the head there as well, is that a lot of problem, the problem with sequels is, is, you know, sequelitis. You, they go bigger and they go badder, but that doesn't always make it better. Just, just expansion, literal expansion of making everything bigger doesn't make a good film. And Aliens does do that. It does make things bigger in terms of, uh, in t- in terms of the personnel, you know, we've gone from having workers to like like tooled up mach- uh, marines. We haven't just got one or two xenomorphs; we've got loads of them. But but we, we, it still takes place in a fairly isolated environment. You know, you've only got a couple of locations. Yes, they're big and sprawling, but they're not exactly like open plan. They're not big. They're still they still got the same claustrophobic feeling as Alien, but somehow it feels a bit bigger, and it's building to that sh- big mother of a finale which the the finale in alien is great obviously compared to this is a lot more low-key it doesn't make it doesn't make it any worse so but when they go bigger in aliens james cameron knows when to play his hand and he knows when to pull back and be like no we could throw we could have like 10 xenomorphs in here at once but that's overkill it's not it's 
not conducive to a good story. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. But then we get that big old ending, man. And this is one of the, for me, is it the best sequel of all time? It's one of the best three sequels of all time. I can't, I'm not sure I can rank them, but it's, if I had to give you, I had to ask me for three of them, it would be the Empire Strikes Back, Aliens. Oh, would it be the Dark Knight? Or would it be Terminator 2? <laughs> It'd be one of those, but this is definitely up there, mate. Be that the finale of this film. From the moment we have the fight, the, those um, final stands of Hudson and then Vasquez, and they're all dropping like flies. And then Ripley goes back for Newt. And let's not forget, dude, that amazing shot of <laughs> Newt in the water. And then behind yes. her, the xenomorph just literally like un- unfolds behind her in like this majestic beauty. And it's just like the most horrifying visual. And it's incredible. Like a kid, this like innocent kid with a doll's head. And then behind her is the most horrible looking monster you can imagine. And it's so well shot. They do that twice in this movie as well, because it happens to one of the soldiers earlier on in the movie, you know, when she's there, they can't, they've got like infrared vision on or something and they can't see them. And behind one of the soldiers, you think it's just the wall. And then the the xenomorph unfolds, not maybe not quite as as impactful as this the one you're talking about with Newt, because you've obviously got you know she her being a small innocent child and that. But they do it twice; they hit that note twice, and it's like, yeah, we've hit that note first, but wait until later because we're going to hit it again, and it's going to be even better. Yep, and the way it's shot, the way the of the the scale, the stakes, because who knows what who knows what they're going to do? We're in the finale. The, the Marines who we've had the entire film with are going, they're gone. Newt is left. Uh, is this going to be the big like, kind of like WTF moment? Are they, they going to have, you know, the Xenomorph, you know, take out Newt? Obviously she doesn't, but Rip, the Ripley going back and being a badass, that moment where she's going, um, Ripley's going through the ship. What she got a gun with a motion sensor on it as well. She's marking her way and Newt, oh God, Ripley shoots a face hugger. Oh God! And then when she sees the queen, and the queen's the queen is massive, and the queen is pissed off. <laughs> and from then on, it is like and and how you so perfectly described the scene with like the two mothers and then the eggs and what Ripley does to those. From then on, it's just a masterclass in the execution of tension. the The elevator scene is just great. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that ho- it it's, it'd be really easy again for those scenes to be drawn out just a little bit too long, but they don't overstay their welcome. But they also don't feel like you know that it's over in a flash as well. Uh, one of the like really nice attention to details that I like about this, so when she goes back down in the lift, and you know it's 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 like a, it's a fifteen minute countdown, yeah, yeah. Um, until the place that's actually fifteen minutes. It's 15 minutes to the second when love that, it, it actually happens, explodes. Man. And I love the little detail like that. So, you know, it draws it out just a little bit. And again, those attention to details like we're talking about, like when she comes out, when the door's open and she's in the machine, it's not just doors open, line. It's doors open, take three steps forward in this slow-moving machine, then deliver the line. So, you know, like you're saying, James Cameron absolutely knew exactly just to just to hold back enough so that when he did go for it, it was it was amazing. And that whole final sequence, that last half hour, is possibly, possibly the greatest half hour in cinema history. That's it. You're talking about great sequels, and if all, all of those sequels you mentioned have great moments in them. Like, certain, certain, like All of them have great moments. You get The Empire Strikes Back as great moments throughout, then you get the possibly the greatest twist in film history with I Am Your Father, um, the what? Dark Knight has great, mo- sorry, spoilers. Um, 
<laughs> the Dark Knight has great moments littered throughout the endings, good as well. But this final sequence is just incredible, and the ele- just the elevator scene. But they're obviously Ripley's trying to get in the elevator. And she's like me at a car park. She's going, "Come on, goddamn it!" When I, when I see someone's about to get into the elevator, I'm like pushing the button. Like, Don't let him in with me. And the Queen finds them, and then they get up to the top. But we know that the Queen's thought, "Well, hold on." elevator ding ding because ripley was in so, such a hurry she's pushed all the buttons we know the queen's in the elevator we see it slowly coming up and it's like oh no i wish they'd shown a shot of like the, the alien queen in the elevator with, with like the, with music elevator music and they're sort of like looking around and then when she when, when the doors open she's like ah it's great but um yeah that just attention to that because we know that she's the the queen's in that the bishop is supposedly gone. He's fucked off with the ship. How are they going to get? There's two minutes left before the this, this station d- d- uh, implodes. How do we get? Is this it again? We don't know. There's going to be a third film. So is this the big sacrifice at the end of the film? And obviously, Bishop turns up, and we think they get away, don't we? We think yeah. it, it, there's a there's a twist. There's a double a double ending. And we rewatching the film the other night when the ship flew away. I was thinking, hold on, I'm sure there was a like a big another battle i'm sure bishop gets like ripped in half it must be a different <laughs> film i forgot about it man yeah yeah no I, I was the same um when i watched it you know even even st- even like just a few years ago i would watch it and i'd be like oh i forgot that happened can i just say it's just a, sorry to take us off that scene where half a bishop is just being sucked out the door and he's half his body just <laughs> like, <laughs> that's hilarious to me i was wetting myself um and he's just say if half his body he manages to catch newt still what a hero i know what a legend honestly putty and home shame <laughs> but uh, but no you're right um i love the red herring of the ending as well um and but i also love because it's it's very much as well a callback again to the original because that happens in the first movie too yes. not to obviously in this exactly the, the same settings um but you know, in that, in that, you know, the the xenomorph is hiding, sort of in the escape pod. I think it is in the first one, and and you know, dying so it's, in the escape pod, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So you know, I love that there's that sort of little callback as well, and that it po- probably it got me better in the second one than it yeah. did in the first one. Mate, they they don't uh, they don't hold back. Yeah, he's an android, but it's it's absolutely that's one of my most enduring memories of this film from seeing it as a kid was when I first saw this film, um, I didn't, I hadn't seen all of it. So all I saw was uh, Bishop being impaled and this white shit that's flying out of his <laughs> mouth and his stomach. And obviously I didn't know. I thought it was a human. And I thought it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. This is a kid. Must have been on TV or something. I must have switched over. But um, And then we now we know that it's a he's uh, an android. But they still make it like ultra-violent and g- graphic even though he's an android, he doesn't hold back, and I and I love it. All his white gunk spewing out. Then we see him get torn in half, and then when he's on the floor, you can see his like his like, guts, the wires and cables inside him, which are made to look like guts. It's it's really quite graphic for a, an android death. Well, it's it's really it's when you think about it, it's probably one of the most graphic deaths in the whole movie because a lot of them happen off camera as well. Yeah, you know, Burke happens off camera. All the soldiers kind of happen off screen, you know, and you know we we see people getting dragged away and things like that. Velasquez and Gorman they obviously kill they they kill themselves, you know. So a lot of them we don't actually get to see the big sort of xenomorph death. And like you say, they, they obviously go for it here with, with the Android. So, and again, I think that's another example of just showing that restraint 
throughout the rest of the movie. And then when it comes to, right, we've, we think we've had the final showdown, but we've not really. So to kick off the final showdown, here's the most gruesome death of the entire film. Yeah, it's a bloody android. Um, but I, <laughs> and I, I, I didn't mind the, the airlock thing because, I mean, these aliens, you, how are you going to kill the damn queen? You've, you've got to find a way. And the airlock comes into it again. Okay, could it be derivative? Maybe. But it, this is the queen alien. And the third film obviously goes that way as well. Uh, sorry, Resurrection, sorry, goes that way. But with that weird hybrid weird alien gets sucked through the hole in the wall and whatever. But... I think the final sequence in this film is is one of the best I've seen. It's just it's a mix of tension and uh, exhilaration. It's so like, it's a kind of like I'm sitting there clenching things I didn't know I could clench, but at the same time <laughs> I'm absolutely like exhilarated by what I'm watching. It's the strangest sort of sensation. And even though I know what happens at the end, well, clearly I didn't because I forgot about Bishop. But even though I know they will survive, then it's still kind of just like you get swept into the hopelessness of the situation. And then, you know, Bishop Hicks and Nuke get put in the car asleep and, you know, that's going to go well for them. But <laughs> I, I honestly think it may be, I'd love to, anyone uh, listeners, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on whether this is one of the best final, final thirds, final sequences of all time and where this stacks up in the history of sequels. But I can't look past it. There's so many great moments just in that end sequence, dude. Yeah, no, I'm completely in agreement with you. Um, that the whole end. See, I mean that. Look, we we we've we've talked about this entire film. This entire film is great. Yeah, um, this is a two and a half hour long movie. It never feels like it at any right. stage. You know, we I'm, I'm sure we we've we'll have both seen movies that long are an hour and a half and feel about six hours long. You know. Yep. Um. <laughs> so for this one, you know, two and a half hours long movie never overstays its welcome. There's even though that first hour is quite is. You know, more just tension building, it's world building, you know, you're establishing characters, that's it's not overstaying, it's welcome. It's it's just masterfully done. And that final sequence is just the culmination of the two hours that have come before it. You know, we've had people dying off camera from the xenomorphs, we've had the confrontation with the Queen, we've had, you know, Bark and his death and all the all the soldiers getting their comeuppance and then you just have this big final moment where Ripley's like, You've taken everyone else from me, you're not taking newt and it it's just it's just done to perfection. Yep, yeah, and that's kind of summed up the film. Uh we mentioned was there any other positives you wanted to mention about the film? Oh <laughs> uh, about the score. Really, you found uh, the score of this? Uh, yeah, I mean I get the score is something that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to, if I'm honest. I feel like I feel like sometimes if you don't really notice the score very well, that can sometimes mean that it's actually doing a really good job mm-hmm. because you know you're you're it's complementing. I think the score complements this movie really, really well. Um, you know, and and one of the big things about the first one that I really liked was was the score. You know, I think it really aided in that sort of tension building, but. It goes back to, you know, having uh, at moments, you know, the, as I spoke about earlier about the lack of sound and music during that sort of big final scene. Um, and I think that also gets counted as part of the score, even though there's nothing there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just another aspect of this movie um, that I think works works particularly well. And again, the temptation would have been to go over the top really cheesy with it, 
you know, and have your sort of big classic action type score. And I think they they managed to just sort of restrain themselves enough in this film. Yeah, like you say, sometimes sometimes not noting the score can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing, especially if the score is meant to be noticed. But you you, like, you hit the nail, nail on the head. The score here complements the scenes. It's not there to direct you and how you got to f- how you should be feeling at any moment. It's there to complement what's happening. So, uh, uh, what Alien does well is it, it's kind of like a, an industrial sounding score where it sounds more just like factory noises at times, like just like chains clanking and mm. a, a sound bed of music more than anything, rather than an actual score. Alien Three score's got some good moments in it as well. So the first one as well, but it's just like the eeriness that the score brings. It just under it just sort of cuts through. It's a bit of seasoning to what's going on on screen and. I don't want a big score in these films. And like you mentioned about the finale, I don't want a kind of like urgent, chaotic score at the end, kind of a big with strings everywhere you know, to, to kind of elevate what's going on because it absolutely didn't need that. Yeah. Uh, so the score, yeah, I think the score is fine. Uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, anything else. I mean, yeah, the film looked good. It, it nominated for enough Oscars to to, um, <laughs> to say that. Why is this manual, man? Just a, just a couple. But Oscars, okay. still overlooking horror movies in 2021. Well, dude, and we, I always say on this show, look, I love I love the Oscars. I'm a big fan of the Oscars. But I also know that not, not everybody holds uh, them in such high regard. And I also, and just like RT, which I am obviously a fan of, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And if, if a film does or doesn't win an Oscar, it's not the be-all and end-all. But in some cases, it's nice for the acknowledgement. So I'm so glad Aliens, even back, way back when, was acknowledged to this extent and Best Actress Wall nomination. But yeah, in recent years, I mean, obviously, mine my, my turns to, for me, it's always Tony Collette, so, and it's everybody. It's almost like the go-to argument now. Tony Collette should have won the damn award, let alone be nominated. Yeah. But a lot of horror performances, look at Elizabeth Moss in The Invisible Man. They're just, not, they're just overlooked, and genre flicks sometimes do have a bad, a bad rap. Sci-fi as well, action, comic book films have the same issues as well, but horrors seems to have, it's more, it's, you know, it's a huge thing when you think, oh, you know, Get Out got nominated for how many awards? Wow. When really there are other good films out there. Get Out's great. There are other good films which deserve to be nominated for more as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's that whole sort of thing, you know, when, when Parasite won, won the Oscar. I know we're getting a bit off track here, but no, when Parasite though. won, you know, you had a lot of people being out there saying, well, you know what? There's a, there's a lot of Korean cinema that's yeah. that's as good, if not better than this, but that's just the one that sort of caught the imagination. And this, it was kind of the same with Get Out. Get Out's a great film, um, but there's so many others that are just as good or better than, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, the the, the, the Oscars, um, a little bit of a self-plug here, the Oscars constantly overlooking horror movies. It's why we started up our own horror awards. Um, do it, uh, man. Is it? Well, we well, did it. We, well, we but, did I was about to say, did it, but that's what <laughs> I mean, like, do it. If nobody else is going to do it, then take it upon yourself you know, and you have I wanted, done. I wanted to, you know, start this thing. Where I voted last year. I voted yes. for Elizabeth Moff and The Invisible Man. Ah, good. And they neither of them won. <laughs> yeah. Sorry so much, so, so much my vote counted. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> Blame they were, they were up against some very good films. Of course. It's, it's a tough category, man. Uh, uh, genre, sorry. Absolutely. You know, and there's always there's always really good, especially in the last sort of 10 years or so. Yes. You know, I've had this argument with a lot of people on social media, as, as one does, um, about the last 10 years. I think we're going through a real sort of golden patch of, of horror movies yeah. in the oh, last I agree, sort of, mate. 
uh, the last sort of decade. You know, everyone always sort of goes, oh, the 80s was the pinnacle. The 80s was not the pinnacle. The 70s was the, 70s the pinnacle. Was um, the 60s was, the 60s got the, that turned the gas on the simmer started. And by the 70s, it was boiling, it was boiling over. It's great. And then the eight, yeah, the eighties is great. The aesthetic and the, the type of films, a lot of people, it means a lot to a lot of people because of the visuals and the time of their life and they're fun yeah. films, but people think of things like Dream Warriors and you know the sort uh, of hair metal and, exactly. and that and that's very and yeah, like there's some great films in there like that. But the nineties you know, kind of, of the nineties actually for though I don't hold them as is as high as the others, it has got some of the best though, like Scream, Silence Andy of Man. the Lambs, for example. I mean Great horror, like yeah. classic horror films. Candyman, is Candyman, one of, my, one of my favorites of all time. You know, I love I'm that movie so looking so forward to that follow up. I'm re- I was really bummed out when that was um, pushed back, but I would like yeah. to see that near the cost of film in the cinema. Yeah, um, the noughties were. I think the noughties were just That's they were very much a victim of of the times you, yeah, you can't think, watch one of those films without realizing exactly where you are in time. Yeah, I think I think the, the biggest films what were Saw. Saw, obviously, Hostel for its uh, infamy, yeah. and Saw, obviously, it's spawned the franchise. Um, and because you've got a lot of those crap, like 13 Ghosts, and the, <laughs> I know what he did last summer, just con- continued going. And it was all those kind of just like naff. Like, it was, it was a diet, like, Scream brought back the slasher, albeit in a satirical kind of way. But then it kind of carried on, and, feel, and people were just trying to make a quick buck off cheap slashers, but. They were rubbish. People just tried to, yeah, like you say, they were trying to cash in on that. Scream tried to cash in on itself and <laughs> it failed did. absolutely miserably, in my, in my opinion. No, I, I did like that, the fourth one. It was okay. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll finally disagree on that. I didn't mind the fourth one. Again, it doesn't, the first one is boss. I always get mixed up between the second and third one. Which one's the worst one? I think the, the third one is, yeah, the third one is for me the worst. Well, okay. the, fourth, the fourth one for me is the worst one. Here we the, go. Third, the third one is the worst out of those two. But yeah, you know, like that whole, like you say, I know what you did last, they were just trying to cash in and something. And it's, it's, it's the same as the whole sort of sequel argument we're having about, you know, when you're a, trying to cash in on something that's already iconic, that's already great, you're never, it's, it's going to be, have to go some to to really uh to really win win people over well look at the look how the alien franchise has some people say it hasn't most people would say it has suffered but i mean in terms of the last well, 10 or 11 years i the resurgence of horror as in as a respected genre i think you know coincides with the a24 a24 you know starting as well because a lot of good horror films have come from the studios of a24 i mean you've got things like obviously um, the witch um, the Black Coat's Daughter, which is an A24 film international. I think it's a wonderful film. It doesn't get spoken about enough, and it's a great horror film. Uh, and then obviously uh, Blumhouse. Blumhouse are Blumhouse, great when they get it right. I think Blumhouse as well. I think because they're making so many movies on on a budget as well, you know, they're not pumping tens of millions of dollars into these films. No. You know, they're pumped, they're, they're two or three million budgets here and which is which is not a lot let's be real but if you can make 10 times that back with like 20 million then you're laughing blumhouse is an absolute you know horror machine just now Mm. in terms of money making as well but you know like you're saying specifically you know over those you go ari aster movie you know you got hereditary and midsummer you know i know that i know they're very divisive um personally i'm i love them like you you were saying about um the witch there's the lighthouse films, yeah. you know there's there's some really really great stuff out there 
Um, and they're and the ones, and I like I liked it comes at night, and I know a lot of people didn't uh, didn't work as hot on that, but I liked it because these are films which aren't. I like a horror film with a bit of atmosphere. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love to sit down with a beer and pizza and watch a watch a slasher film as much as the next person. I love it, but I I love that that horrible kind of unease you get when you're watching a really good horror film, like like you mentioned, like, like, like the lighthouse. Yeah. Where it's more like, what the fuck is happening? And it's the unease <laughs> of not knowing anything. And like, I've, I've seen enough of our pats wanking to, to like, <laughs> not know what's going on here. But and again, it's not just A24, but they're the first ones I come to mind. The studio started in, what, 2010? And a lot of their films get critically well received. And, it's, and they're more divisive with the fans because I think a lot of fans, you know, they go into a film like The Witch and maybe expect a bit more of a witch. Yeah. Uh, whereas what they get is something a lot more low key, but 10 times more scary if you ask me. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of them is they're just the storytelling as well. Like it's very, it's probably very relatively straightforward to make a, a, a bog standard slasher movie these days. But you know, these, these have really good storylines. They have great character development. I mean, look at Midsummer, for example, that's, yes. that's that movie is batshit insane. It's insanity. Nothing happens in that movie, but it is insanity, you know, for again for two and a half hours. So um I think the storytelling over the past few years has been has been excellent. That's a good show. Because it's been there has been a resurgence in in the craft of horror. And look, we still get uh, we still get the um the like you say the 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 they're very quick to make, very cheap to make ones. I'm not a fan of the Happy Death Day films at all, but I know a lot of people love those films, yeah. and they're we're still getting those kind of films. So if you like those films, they're still coming. Yeah, I um, mean we're still getting more from the Conjuring universe. We're still getting more Insidious movies. You know, James Wan is still going to go out there and make hundreds of millions of dollars on his what is, in my opinion, generally cheap thrill type movies. Yeah. Um, and if that's what people are interested in, and that's what their idea of a good time and good on them. Um, yeah, personally, I like a bit more storyline, but you know, people people can like what they like. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I, I like a bit more substance. At the risk of sounding like a snob, I like a bit of substance with with any film though. You, you I, a snob never, yeah, never, never. It's <laughs> my my southern my southern English Surrey tones would say otherwise. But um, no, I, I like any film. I've spoken about this on loads on loads of shows and that. But even with like sci-fi or whatever, especially action as well, right? I need to give a damn about what's happening. I need to give a damn about the characters. Otherwise I'm not, I'm out. And I have a problem with uh, certain slashers get me sometimes, but you know, if, I, if and, and a slasher genre, you're not meant to feel for their characters. You're meant to be like, how, how cool were they when they died? Yeah. But some films, but some slashers, you don't even get that. Um, so I need a bit of depth in it, but I wanted to ask you then completely, completely off before we finish, before we go back to aliens is um, of the upcoming horror films. If you can only watch one, what are you picking? Right. I know we've bashed on two of the movies in the franchise already, <laughs> but I absolutely am just the biggest Halloween fan yeah. there, that you could ever. And I am. I, I loved 2018 Halloween. I well. like that a lot, mate. I think uh, this is going to... You may even hang up, but I could watch that over the original. And I know you love that first. Your favourite film, is it? Yeah, that's yeah. always down as my favourite. And in fairness, I now, I now cite Halloween 2018 as my second favourite. Mm. So it's... So you kind of get me there. You I, can, I definitely get you. I think I think they really sort of just took that franchise back to back to its roots, you know, and they, they stripped away so much of the unnecessary plot lines and other faff in that movie and, yeah, and took it back. So I'm really excited for Halloween Kills. Um but aside from that, I'd probably say Nia Da Costa's Candyman. I'm so stoked for that. 
Same. I think that would be my choice. The because everything I've seen looks great. I love the poster, the simplicity, but everything I've seen of the marketing material looks great. And also, we've also dumped on a few of the films, but I'm morbidly intrigued by Scream Five. I'm just, I just yeah, want to know I mean, why I, they're bringing know, it back. I know I've said like I hate everything after the first one, <laughs> but I'll still go and watch it. You know, and I'll, and and another franchise as well. I'll go see Spiral, the oh, new saw, the new Saw movie from the Book well. of Saw. From but I'm interested in like you've got Chris Rock's behind it, and Chris, Chris Rock's Rock, a talented dude, but he's not. Got, you wouldn't put the two together, would you? No, you've got Samuel L. Jackson in that movie as well. Oh, motherfucker's <laughs> going to be there, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more just ex- interested to see what they've actually done with it rather than, than anything else. Yeah, there, there, there's, I'm, I, there's a lot of films I'm looking for, or directors I'm waiting on now. I'm waiting on Jordan Peele's new film. I'm waiting on Ari Aster. I'm waiting on Alex Garland's new film. I'm didn't, waiting on certain actors I want more, directors I just can't wait for. Didn't Ari Aster say he was going to make a four-hour comedy? He did, but I think he's, uh, I think he's retracted on that now. I can't believe <laughs> thank he's... <God>. Yeah, thank <laughs> I mean, we've got Justice League coming out in a few days, guys. We're getting that, but um, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few directors I can't wait to see what they do next, and um, a few of the ones you've mentioned are some of them. Uh, Oz Perkins, I like Oz Perkins a lot as well. Mm-hmm. wasn't as much a fan of Gretel and Hansel, but I'm still I still love his visual style. Oh yeah, like that's the thing as well. I think there just seems to be there's something for everyone this these past few years. You know, there's there's all these different styles as, of, of, of movies as well. And then I think, um, yeah, there's, there's just something I think for everyone to look forward to, whether it's big franchise movies or whether it's, you know, little independent films, you know, independent cinema is really sort of booming just now as well. I think yeah. um, there's, you know, Terrifier 2 um, is one, another one that I'm really excited for. Another, I forgot all about that, man. Yeah. And I, I'm, I love, I love, love Terrifier. I've actually been trying to, trying to, uh, Hit up David Thornton in, been sliding into his DM. Do it, man. Do it. But um, but yeah. So another one. So yeah, like there's there's absolutely so much, and as well, obviously because of the pandemic, you know, we've got this sort of concertina of movies in the next couple of years. So mm-hmm. I am anticipating an amazing couple of years. No, and 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 we've also had that host last year. Let's not forget, but um, and what I always find exciting about the horror, any genre, but especially horror, is that. In about three months, there'll be a film that comes out which, you know, seemingly went under the radar, and it may end up being the best horror film of the year. It happens an awful lot, whether it's a Shudder film, whether it's an independent film or something, it just comes out of nowhere. Uh, Ready or Not was one of them for me. Ready or Not was one of them. Yeah, Host was, and, and speaking of it, Host was one of those as well for me. Absolutely. Like, I'd never heard of these movies before, you know, and obviously, you know, we, we're both people who kind of keep up with what's coming and what's to be expected. And those were two movies for me that went completely under the radar and ended up being two of the most talked about movies of the year. I mean, Host is still, like, you know, um, I, I, I spoke to Emma, Emma from that She's movie. She's my favourite. She is, she, by the way, she is just the sweetest human being. She's coming across as very nice. I really bad, but I remember, <laughs> as Death by Pop would do, I remember saying, "I my favourite was Emma because she's hot." And then um, Jed Shepard, the producer, listened, and he, and he off air was like, "Oh, I, we heard what you said, and we found it quite funny." I thought, "Ah, now they now they know what I think." And then I saw your interview, and I was like, "I'm not writing anything in the comments. I'm saving myself." But um, I, I'm glad to hear. I have I did listen. I have listened. Um, to the episode because oh, all jokes aside, I, I do think she was wonderful in the film, and it's a great, great film. If you haven't seen Host Guys, it's like fifty-eight minutes. Go yeah, on to it. do it's yourselves a favour. Once a spare hour, one evening, and people will not regret it. You know, I've I know people who 
you know, aren't big fans of the sort of genre. They aren't big fans of the things like Unfriended. And I wasn't a big fan of Unfriended either, let's, um, to be honest. Um, and there's people out there who maybe don't like supernatural sort of style mm-hmm. movies. But this one, you know, is, is it's really, really well written. And the fact that they did it all in lockdown as well is is, is pretty genius. And I think they, I think they, didn't they make it for like, is it, doesn't Rob... Uh, doesn't uh, Rob Savage say they made it for like a fiver? <laughs> it was literally made like a packet of crisps and a fiver. Yeah. A couple of favors later, um, honestly. It, but you wouldn't. But you'd never notice. You know, you'd no. never know. It's so well done. Um, Aliens is a good film, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot it's, about that. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, all the, of all those films you've mentioned, Aliens is still better. Aliens is, but that again, we've had we've had thirty years to to sit on Aliens. I I hope some of these films you've mentioned will look back in thirty years and think, you know what, that holds up. That I holds think, up. I think we will. I think a lot of these films. I mean, don't get me wrong. There there will definitely be ones that will not even take that long. That will look back in five or six years and you'll think. Oh, that was that was that wasn't actually so good. But I'm absolutely certain that some of these movies that we've even just the few that we've mentioned, will definitely practical effects as well in a lot of them. In the, in the noughties, you had a lot of crap CGI, which was dated, oh. which was dated then, and now obviously it, it ain't great. Whereas now, when you do get CG, for the most part, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty good. Sometimes, of course, you get some janky stuff, but a lot of it, a lot of um, films are harking back to practical effects now because i don't know if they just realize it looks better but even aliens is practical or it's it's stop motion or miniatures yeah i mean i think people people do it does just look better you know even not great practical effects look better than most decent cgi there's a charm to them isn't there there is and i think i think filmmakers as well have also realized that it sort of endears their movies a little bit more to their to their audience more specifically you know their hardcore fans yeah i've got nothing against cgi i love i love a good bit of cgi especially when it's augmented and you can't tell and i look cgi has its place of course it it has done things to cinema which would never have happened without And there is a lot of work that goes into cgi as well people people think that oh they're that films are taking the easy option they're not really like there's a big whole team of people behind cgi um but unfortunately the end result just never sometimes say never often just doesn't it just doesn't compare to good practical effects yeah, no a spot on mate so um and I, like I said aliens uses a lot of practical effects with, within their budget and they do it well so um was there so one more then was there any more positives about aliens that you wanted to chuck in <laughs> that we haven't already mentioned I, I don't think so i think we've talked about everything unless you want to go for another hour and a half <laughs> uh christ what have we got uh what, have, what notes have i got it's an allegory for vietnam apparently um <laughs> stan winston replaced hr geiger as the designer which yes. hr geiger wasn't pleased about but he was working on another film and the studio thought this was going to bomb badly and they wanted to sell it to the guys who created rambo do you um, think though, like late 80s, like late eighties, early uh, late eighties, late seventies, early eighties, you know, for things they either thought were going to bomb or even just did bomb, like the the biggest one for me is the thing. Jesus, well, even was, Star Wars for Christ's sake! Exactly, the studio right? had n- the studio even in the month, the weeks leading up to it, were trying to sell the rights. Fox trying to sell the rights to a to a German bank. They were trying to get this bank to buy the film off them because they had no hope, and you know now it's a new hope. Now look at them now. <laughs> hey. <laughs> But I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, like the th- but do like the thing, and that is, it's, it's amazing how studios. Like, I don't now. I don't know what's happened, but because it was, it was such a seismic shift as well from from the 60s to the 70s, especially the horror genre. 
when it, it went gonzo. Obviously, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. You don't get that. Or the Exorcist, of course. You don't get that before that. This was this was doing things to people which they'd never seen before. So studios would have had that reticence of, you know, w- will this work? Because a lot of them were still the older heads who were used to the older ways of doing things. And then you, you're asking them to do something like The Thing. And to some studio heads, that might be a bit... Oh, this is too wacky for the audience. They won't. They won't get it. But the audiences—they were slowly, slowly, slowly getting used to the idea of these films. But that was also a golden age where you could release a film like The Thing, and it would mess people up because it was still new. That kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's it. Like, obviously, we release that kind of film now. We're all we're all desensitized to it, it now, yeah. you know. And you know that wasn't the case back then. And you know you hear all these stories going further back. Uh, you know people like Hitchcock who would would employ these tactics at cinemas, you know, to try and scare people. That was, yeah. you know, whether that was things happening outside the entrance or you know skeletons on on pool strings. I can't. There's a name for it that I can't remember. That's escaping me. But you know they would pull those sorts of things. Uh, we did the birds not long ago, yeah, and yeah. you know they used to play. On big speakers outside the cinemas, just massive crow noises at, at, at viewers when they were leaving the cinema, you know. And the, that's still you, quite would, cool, though. That would be amazing, but the they, they, the the, the uh, audience now, you know, maybe maybe would expect something a little bit. They might laugh it off a little bit, and probably just wouldn't have the same effect now. Now, bro, when I saw Hereditary at the theatre, that was my worst screening ever because a lot of people have said the same thing. It's, it, Hereditary is the one film I've seen. I've had like uh, I've like quietly bonded with people. I've kind of read their posts and kind of like nodded in solidarity. Where so many people have said, "I went to watch Hereditary and I hated it, the, the experience," because you know after about a half, two thirds of the way through, people in the audience were just laughing, they were taking the piss, and it ruined the moment. And I had that in my it's the worst experience I've had because in the end it was just a, it wasn't a group of people. It was half the cinema I was just like jeering and shouting at the screen to the point where I was getting completely taken out to where I was like. Do I like this film? And I mentioned it on the DBP episode, and when I rewatched it, I was like, actually, I do quite like this film. Blocky wasn't as hot, but I, because I, was, I actually got to watch it in the isolation of my own home, I was like, now I can get, it. now I get it. But I, I was man. very much in a similar boat to you, and it was wasn't really until the second watch where I fully, and I was a bit like that with Midsummer as well, to be honest. Um, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really until my second or even third watch that I really sort of fully appreciated. Maybe that's just the way it's going to be with Ari Aster's. Yeah. Ari Aster's work but um but yeah the cinema there's experience I think I'm always a someone who tries to give movies a second chance anyway you know because of you don't know like you say even if you're not having such a bad experience like the one you had with Hereditary there's still certain things that could maybe take you out of a certain film or might just not hit the same um, how how you're feeling on that day as well I've, I've watched a few films recently which I remember thinking this is this is not very good well and I've seen them recently I'm like what the fuck was I thinking? This is great. Like, Ex Machina was one. I first watched it years ago. I was like, this is a bit naff, isn't it? Then I rewatched it a year or so ago. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I rewatched yeah. it the other week. This is, and Annihilation was the same. Just came around. And I was like, this is just wonderful. And, um, but sometimes a film is just shit and I won't watch it again. Yeah, I fell asleep uh, for 30 minutes of The Nun when I went to the cinema to see that. And so I, re- I rewatched it. And yeah, that was it was still shit. <laughs> the Knights of the Round Table turned up at one point, And I think I saw you needed like King Arthur and all this kind of crap. <laughs> I'm glad I fell asleep. It's a bollocks. Um, but I like the first Conjuring. But, um, and so in terms of Aliens, then, was there anything that we've mentioned a few things, but was there anything which wasn't up to the standard of the rest of the film for you 
No, I mean, we, we obviously talked about that one line <laughs> delivered by me. <Meat. laughs> um, but I think what the one of the big things about this movie is that it is so consistent throughout the entire film. There's no... There's no one on screen that you think, oh, that that really wasn't great. And there's no effects that you think look particularly bad or or anything like that. I really can't think of anything else other than that one line. <laughs> Can <laughs> I go now? <laughs> God damn it, bloody child actors! No, no, to ruin everything. I can no, I, I can't either. Uh, there's no, there's, I, I can't even really poke fun at the effects uh, in jest. I can't even say like well, that was a bit crap. I, um, no, nothing. It didn't feel too derivative of the first film. There were elements that we mentioned about the airlock at the end, and there were certain moments which you know w- was just an al- now is just an alien staple. But no, I honestly can't find fault in this film. I don't think it started too slowly, and I know you weren't saying that, but I can imagine a lot of people thinking, yeah. "What's what's happening?" Because they go for the aliens. Um, but I'm I'm here for the build up. I'm here, and I love that we got that build up. And then we get, and then we get the payoff with the emotions, the motion sensors, and the trackers. That is such a great way to introduce the alien. Don't just have mm. them jump out of the walls. Have have the characters have the same dread that we've got. That we they know something's there. We know something's there. We know what it is. They don't. But we're just waiting for it now. And we're just waiting for it to hit the fan. And I, I honestly, th- I can't think of anything anything wrong with it, apart from that one line, the way it's delivered. But is 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 that going to knock it down in my sequel rankings? No. I don't think it is, man. I'm pretty sure not every line in T2 is is pitch perfect. So no, it's probably a few in the Dark Knight and in the Empire Strikes Back. Luke Skywalker's a whiny bitch at times, and I love <laughs> all those films. Everyone knows that it's my jam. But goddamn, when Luke Skywalker sits down on Dagobah and flounces his arms down as he crosses his legs, like, come on, you're meant to be you're meant to be the last Jedi. But, um, so uh, I think then, mate, I think that may conclude the alien aliens chat. Um, uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, honestly, I think there's anything we haven't covered. So, um, mate, thank you so much for coming on tonight to talk aliens. I've been waiting to do this for a while. So thank you for giving me your time. No problem. Thank you very, very much for having me on. It's an honour. No, it's been a blast. I always enjoy uh, chatting to the King of Scotland. Uh, we've mentioned Behind the Screams and the uh, the leading horror podcast in Britain, shall we call it. Uh where can everyone find you on? What about the, where can they find you on social media? Where can they listen to the shows? How long have you got? We're everywhere now. Like we literally, I just decided to put us in as many places as possible on Twitter. Uh, it's at Screams Behind. You can get us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Behind the Screams Podcast. We're on YouTube. Behind the Screams Podcast. We're now on TikTok. We yes. have a TikTok. Yes. Behind the Screams Podcast. We've posted our first few videos up there, uh, but we've got a lot more coming. We're on Twitch. We do four streams on twitch a week behind the screams podcast you can find us there and we're on all major podcasting platforms you can get us uh, apple Podcasts, spotify google amazon everywhere everybody get that good um well i'm going to put you on the spot now mate and i i always hate when people say this to me so i'm going to put the i'm going to pass the hot potato if any of the listeners are like cool this guy sounds great this he's got so much content what's the what episode should i start with what episode if should they you- start with 
Right, I'll tell oh, you. No, you, don't, to... you don't have to say I won, by the way. <laughs> oh, just don't, don't worry, I wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll tell you what fire. not to start with. Don't start with any of our first 20 episodes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Much like most podcasts out there. This is the 21st, remember... actually, of this particular series, so start here, everyone. <laughs> uh, we've got loads of great episodes out there. Uh, most re- We very recently covered The Exorcist, uh... which I know is one of your all-time favourites. My all time, yep. Um, that was a great episode. We really, really enjoyed that. Um, we've previously done both Harry Astor's episodes, which is, is a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of good content out there. Um, but yeah, I would say go for the Exorcist. We had a really good thing episode as well. Um, we, we, um, what was our last one? We did Kari. Kari, we did a couple of weeks ago too, which was a great episode as well. Yeah, honestly, you can probably take your pick and really enjoy. All of them. We've got uh, it, we've got 120 of them now. So the, the, people, exactly. people, people have there's, their choices. There's going to be a film for you there somewhere or a subgenre of horror there for you somewhere. Yeah, go the other way. You can listen to our Troll 2 episode. Or, or we started, you know what, actually, when I brought the girls on board to the... the sorry, I'm, I'm just taking over a wee bit there. Okay, when, we brought the, when we brought the girls on board, and I, we decided that we were going to take it turn about every week to pick an episode and my co-host Lucy got the first choice of 2021 <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I, I was I was thinking right she's going to pick something good it's going to something that's going to kick off the year we've refreshed the show everything's going to be great and we did Birdemic ah <sighs> great but, choice but but Lucy, must... she's, she's a queen she's great but that <laughs> it's an yeah. appalling movie but I must say Birdemic. please that episode is possibly the, my favourite episode I've ever recorded because we just tore that movie the one. worst films are always the best episodes absolutely oh, yeah, seems you... wonderful but I I, I I take back everything every positive I've just said about her <laughs> making me watch that film Birdemic. I'll let her know let thank her you know. Birdemic um, yeah go and check out Halloween 3 season of the witch yes. here bloggy talking about us well, the stuff Bloggy talks about. So, <laughs> brace yourself, bless her heart. But um, yeah, that was a, that was good fun. But um, so you know where to go and find Ian behind the screen. Search that all over the internet, and you'll and you'll find Ian and the team's work. There's a team effort, Ian and the team over there. And uh, if you want to find me, you can do what I watch tonight.co.uk. What I watch tonight across all the socials. Uh, reviews are very slowly going out. I'm getting the mojo back somewhat. Um, if you like what you've just heard. You know, people out there who like the alien films, do let them know that we've got an hour and a half of a couple of film fans talking about aliens and really diving deep and also uh, digressing into horror. So especially if you know like sci-fi horror fans, then uh, they're going to totally love this. And if you fancy chucking five stars our way, that would really help the show out, gets us out to more people. It gets more engagement, which is a film fan. I, Annie, and we're here for the engagement. That's why we we love talking films. Be polite. That's what we're all about as well. But Ian, one more time. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. Thank you so, so much for having me. And I hope you've all enjoyed this episode. But until next time, from me, see ya.